Yeah, so if you get a night of 20 degrees like we had during the past week, um, asparagus will grow sort of a centimetre an hour, so very, very quickly does the paddock get away from you. So if you don't have the people that are there or the resources, within the space of 24 hours, you can have a beautiful crop of asparagus that then has grown too long. G'day and welcome to episode 31 of the Humans of Agriculture podcast. I'm your host, Ollie Laleve, and today we're venturing down to the asparagus marshlands of Kuirup, not far from Melbourne, to chat with James Terry. James is a grower, exporter, trader, people manager, logistics organiser, you name it, and I reckon it could fit in his job description. I'm pretty excited about this one. We're doing a bit of a powwow as we chat all things asparagus, and this year in particular has been incredibly challenging for them as they've battled weather, transport and logistics, access to labour and everything else you can imagine in between. So I thought I'd better throw in a few interesting facts to start off with. Asparagus is a product that basically has a 24-hour supply chain, from when it's picked right through to when it gets into market, and that can be both in Australia and overseas. Every single spear of asparagus is hand-picked, and people play an incredibly important role the whole way through the supply chain. Robotic automation has proven to be too slow and human power is far more efficient. Some of these pickers who are picking asparagus have been away from their families back home in Vanuatu for more than 12 months. And for some of them, they've even missed the births of their own children. James, welcome to the Humans of Agriculture podcast. Great. It's nice to be here, Ollie. So I think uh, oh, for our listeners, they know that I talk a little bit about asparagus, but you're a man who's been involved in the industry for a while as a past president of the Australian Asparagus Association. I suppose, what got you into, yeah, in particular, asparagus, but I suppose more broadly, the ag industry? Uh, yeah, okay, where do I start? Um, asparagus, I came to Kui Rup uh, after I finished university and was working for elders as an agronomist for 18 months, and then an opportunity came along to get involved in an asparagus business and I did that and not long after I had bought a farm and then I was uh, kind of ingrained in the industry from from there so that was sort of 10 or 11 years ago and um, yeah I've really enjoyed my time in the industry of asparagus and it has its challenges and its moments and there are a lot of moving parts of labour and weather and exports and freight and all sorts of other challenges that you have to deal with on a daily basis but um, yeah I really enjoy it and agriculture as a whole I grew up on a farm in Tasmania in northern Tasmania but kind of got attracted to the the lights in the city of Melbourne and that's why Kui Rup kind of works for my personality you can live in the city and travel to the farm every day yeah absolutely and it's not as cold as Tassie but (laughs) one thing I think this year in particular I think we can look at it and start off I think with all the challenges there has been with COVID but in particular one challenge for you guys this year has been been weather and just how wet it is how how i think like yeah, on the ground has that affected you guys and how important is it is a spring for for your industry yeah so asparagus is a spring harvested crop naturally um, people try and grow it outside of its natural season but typically it grows easiest and best in the springtime um, and yeah with the amount of rain we've had now in the la nina event with excessive moisture and rain we've had our annual rainfall i think three weeks ago we passed that already so still with three months to go in the year we'd passed it um and yeah it's certainly been challenging for pickers and for you know cultivating and preparing the land ahead of the season it came to september and there was still a lot of land that hadn't been properly prepared ahead of the season so that delays the harvest start 
Um, and yeah, there's definitely been some signs of you know the yield so far has been well down on previous years, and most of that has been a result of the extremely wet winter and the stress that that's causing on the the asparagus crowns which are underground. And so we'll we'll put some photos on our Instagram of what it's actually like out there in the paddocks, but people probably don't realise us yeah starting off in the paddock. One thing with asparagus is that there's people handling it the whole way, and it's not just one or two people. Um, yeah, can you run through, I suppose, the supply chain a little bit, but just what are some of the that the human requirements that are needed for you guys? Yeah, so one of the things that I enjoy most about asparagus is that the supply chain is so fast. You know, we're harvesting in the early hours of morning and, you know, by the end of that day, a lot of it is packed and on a truck to domestic supermarkets or domestic markets or on an international flight to a market in Asia somewhere. So the supply chain is extremely quick and every single spear that you eat as a consumer is has been hand-picked and hand-graded and hand-packed or bundled or however, however it's handled. So there's a huge labour cost involved in every single spear of asparagus that ends up on someone's table. Um, so yeah, for every single step in the process, while there is some level of technology to assist us in the packing, but certainly in the, in the, the field for the picking process, it's high, high labour units required to get it all harvested every day. Why, like, why in 2020 is it picked by hand and not by a machine or a tractor driving through the paddock? Yes, there's numerous reasons for this, and it's a good question because most people tend to ask and most people don't really have a understanding of why, and, and that's one to do with the soil that we grow on here. We're growing on a heavy, highly nutritious soil, which is clay-based, and it's not conducive to daily or regular harvest with a machine because the conditions are so variable and change so frequently, so that's one reason. But the main reason is asparagus grows, so it grows very quickly, but you've got all different lengths in the paddock and the consumer wants spears that are sort of 22 to 25 centimetres long. So if we go and harvest with a machine or a tractor, we're not able to selectively harvest the spears that are ready. So we're actually having to lose a lot of crop in order to, because we have to take everything, even if there's a spear that's only five centimetres through the ground. And that'll probably be clearer if Ollie sends pictures of the fields through on the Instagram. But uh, yeah, it's, it's mostly the fact that we can't selectively harvest and at the moment, the robotic innovations around the world that are trying to selectively harvest are far too slow to get over the paddocks in the speed that's required because we have to harvest every single day because asparagus in the right conditions will grow sort of up to 20 centimetres in one day. So I'm going to ask, I suppose, a, potentially a dumb question, but given Australia has such high labour costs, why, why do we grow in Australia and not just import crops like asparagus or, or any kind of hot product like that? So asparagus is still one of the crops that is, is imported um, because it's seasonal and it's a perennial crop so it's hard to produce all year round asparagus. We are working on that but it hasn't yet been done in Australia for 12 months of the year supply so we rely for the supermarkets to have asparagus on the shelves we rely on an import product essentially from april through until mid-august each year um so why we're not able to do it and why with the high labor cost it's also a good question but we i guess we have to deal with that and we have to try and create efficiencies in other ways and that be high yields in australia we get the highest yields of any asparagus crops around the world um, we also try and produce 
fixed spears to try and reduce the individual cost per kilo of the harvest and the packing requirement because as I said earlier it's each spear is hand picked and hand packed so it's kind of a cost per spear not a cost per kilo to grade and pack the asparagus um, but yeah it is a it's a tough industry and at the moment there's there's been as a producer as a farmer of asparagus the, the the margins have been very squeezed over the past four or five years for numerous factors but yeah the high labor cost being the main one for that do you imagine? Hi, I'm Pia, horticulture and sugar analyst at Rabobank, and I'm here to share our latest insights on Australia's vegetable market. Did you know in 2023, Australia produced over $5.8 billion worth of vegetables, though only 4.3% of this was exported? Like many other countries, the Australian vegetable industry relies mostly on its domestic market. In fact, only 7% of global vegetables produced are traded between countries. But we are starting to see that trend change. Global trade is growing at a faster rate than production, and countries with low cost production are seeing the highest growth rates. You can learn more about trends in the vegetable market on our latest Rabo Research Australia podcast, Mapping World Vegetable Trade, or reach out to me via the Rabobank Australia social media channels to learn more. Yourself doing anything different? Well, if you had your time again, do you think, why the hell have I got into this? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I question that regularly, but then I realize that I fundamentally really, really enjoy what I do. And I love being involved in agriculture as a whole and the whole supply chain. And this is part of what I do in a year is the asparagus growing and exporting. Um, and then I, yeah, get involved in other things and the opportunities that it's led me to travel. And, you know, I've had numerous trips to Asia over the years visiting customers and having a good time and I think the opportunities that it's created for me have been kind of something I never thought would actually happen so whenever I question why I'm doing it with asparagus then I sort of look at what it has given me over the years and then I sort of realize that I am relatively happy with what I'm doing um, but yeah I don't know I think over time there will be certainly changes there'll be more technology that comes in and I guess every industry you've got to try and make changes and I'm trying to work on a, a new um, semi-autonomous harvest platform to assist with the harvest of asparagus to try and create more efficiencies in the supply chain. So it'd still be hand-picked product, but we're trying to, myself and two other friends and business partners are trying to um, create a machine that will move itself down rows just ahead of pickers and it'll enable the picker to place the asparagus straight into a crate and we can then get a higher level of traceability of the product and then we can get a lot more technology and a lot more data about the harvest process and about the yield of that particular crop um, and try and get more and more efficiencies into the system. And so, yeah, on your machine that you guys are building, how much of that is to benefit yourself versus how much of it is that you see this as a, a solution that the industry needs? I think it's a common, in most of hand-picked horticulture, there is a a lot of packing sheds have high levels of technology, but in the field there is quite low levels of technology that's been adopted and used, especially in horticulture. And there's a there's an some data that's been captured, but I think there's a lot more data that could be captured about the harvest process and about the amount of you know asparagus that's off a one square meter area, or whether it's you know amount of apples off a a particular tree over a, on a particular season. I think that that's the level of detail we need to get into to get the best out of our crops and our you know whether it's trees or plants um, or you know wherever the farm is located in Australia we've got 
the highest labor cost of anywhere in the world. So we need to try and create other ways in our supply chain to create the efficiencies to still be remain profitable in an ever-changing world. So I'm sort of looking at it and we're, you know, as the cloud farming team, we're trying to look at it as a whole industry and an industry-wide problem that I experience on my own farm that then can be expanded into a range of other hand-picked crops. And so I suppose that's like, that's one end of the supply chain where it is around maximising productivity and efficiency. But So when you're producing a product like asparagus or broccolini or whatever it may be that's highly perishable, it's got to get to market quickly, how do you guys go when it comes to, like, so we hear people producing for the consumer and the consumer wants this, but your consumers could be anywhere in Asia, they could be anywhere in Australia. Who... who how much of that actually factors into what happens on farm and how? Yeah, so like I touched on it before, when we grow asparagus, we are nowadays trying to grow a, a relatively thick spear of asparagus here in Australia because we have an export market for thicker spears and hopefully over time we're able to get thicker spears onto the Australian domestic market as well because it's a way for us to try and strip out some labour costs and create efficiencies for our own selves on our own farms um, but it is it's a it's a really it's a it's a huge challenge trying to provide exactly what the consumer wants in all these different markets um, and it's something that is ever changing and different bunch sizes that people require and different tags and different weights and different you know specifications that are constantly being pushed onto the farmer and that's you know one of the challenges and why I guess I enjoy things so much because you've you've got all these changes that are happening all the time and with such a perishable product you've got to really adapt and make the changes very quickly to keep ahead of the competition with um i think taking maybe a slightly different tack now and talking about food waste and so food bank this year alone have provided more food in the last three months than they have in the three years previous to that so there's a massive food insecurity issue in australia for you guys now around labour, like how much of the product is wasted in the paddock based off, I suppose, what consumers want or, yeah, just waste more generally? Yeah, so we're trying to leave as much waste in the paddock as we can because the old theory of the first loss is the best loss um, comes into play very strongly there. And so we try and leave anything that's not going to be marketable in the paddock. So rather than transporting it to a packing shed and then it gets graded out of the system um, that only adds cost to us and it also is good for the the field to have that product able to decompose exactly where it was in the paddock so you're not removing the nutrient away from the ground Um, but as a whole you know if we harvest say if I touch specifically on asparagus we might we'd be very pleased with a pack out of 60 percent but on average we might get a pack out of somewhere between yeah with somewhere between 50 to 60 percent normally 50% 50% of product that's grown is actually sold yeah. to market. Yeah, that's correct. So 50% of the product that leaves a field, say from my farm to a packing shed, is actually marketed. That seems crazily low. Yeah, the asparagus, but a lot of the weight is in the butt and we have to harvest it just below the ground level um, to in order to get the plant to stimulate further growth. So that's where a lot of the weight is in the trimming of the butt. Um, so you, you, consumers will see a, an almost fully green spear in the, in, on the shelf, but there's actually a, a white butt that's been trimmed off the bottom of that, which has come from our field, and that's where the heaviest part of that 
the asparagus spear is, which is then why the pack out is around that level. And is there, well, is there markets for that waste product or is that the stuff that you're talking about comes back out into the paddocks? Yeah, that, most of it comes back out into the paddocks or is composted or is, yeah, it's basically, well, most of it these days is actually composted and re-spread back over at the end of the harvest period so that you're minimising the amount of um, chemical-based fertiliser you have to apply to your crops. And how close to, I suppose, like organic is is the crops? Like how, how many, are you doing many sprays across it? Are you yeah, applying many synthetic fertilisers to it? So during the harvest period, there is no spray at all that is applied to asparagus um, because we would be applying directly onto the, the marketable spears. So we don't, ha- we don't spray at all. Um, there, is, there are sprays that are used pre-season and post-season um, which are always, you know, under chemical registration and labelling. And normally, a typical farmer post-season would apply some chemical-based fertiliser um, to really, because you're taking off a lot of nitrogen, potassium, and phosphorus during the year, so you're applying those bulk nutrients back to the ground. Um, some people are using chicken manure. There are various other kind of forms of organic fertilizer used but um yeah every farm is different and they've got their own choices and decisions to make but yeah say typically on my farm i would be applying a, a nitrogen phosphorus and potassium blend um with some organic compost if if i had it available interesting um the next one so we i think yeah it's been across the news and people are talking about it is this uh the the labor issues and like yeah i've looked in the paddocks this year particularly you've got people wading through waters it's it's certainly not a glamorous way and i think this is the thing actually behind what people don't see when they're looking at their food is the process and particularly with like horticulture products just how people orientated it is and how reliant on people so this year coronavirus has thrown a massive spanner in the works there's shortages across the board um how is that affecting you guys today but i suppose yeah looking more so even to the next 12 months how how does that look for you guys and and yeah i'll I'll come with a follow-up question on that as well yeah so good question we've been as an asparagus industry if i talk about that specifically we're fairly reliant on the seasonal worker program and pickers from vanuatu over the last sort of seven or eight years that's been the the trend of most people using pickers from vanuatu um this year there are obviously some that are in the country um that have been here since march but the vanuatan border is closed so they're not allowed to to go back home to their family there have been i think now two or three repatriation flights for workers to head back home to be able to see their families and but you know the reality is a lot of them have been away from their country for up to 12 months now which is obviously really hard on them as people and we're trying to provide and look after them as best we can but as Ollie touched on, the conditions are tough. At times, they're sort of picking in water up to their ankles, and it's it's not an easy environment for pickers here, especially picking asparagus. It's not a glamorous job, but you know someone's got to do it. And and we've found that the only reliable workforce that we've been able to have and consistent has been the seasonal workforce. This year, there have been certainly people using, um, you know, the permanent residents that have come for many years you know from Cambodia and Vietnam um, to pick their crops and and they're doing a good job but the demand on the workforce at the moment is is high and there's you know there are certainly some paddocks around the 
the area that haven't been harvested because they can't get enough pickers to come and harvest the crop this year and it is tough and I think that problem is going to get worse the longer the Australian border remains closed. So a couple of things on that so we've uh, or we've seen that literally 24 48 hours will be the difference of between a product getting to the supermarket or to the to the export market and that field essentially being nearly done for the year it's it's crazy how quickly things change yeah so if you get a night of 20 degrees like we had during the past week um, asparagus will grow sort of a centimeter an hour so very very quickly does the paddock get away from you so if you don't have the people that are there or the resources within the space of 24 hours you can have a beautiful crop of asparagus that then has grown too long and once it once it grows too long there's no real way of getting it back for the year other than mechanical intervention with a tractor um, to try and effectively reform the beds and reform your land um, to start harvest again in sort of 10 or 12 days time that's the only intervention you can sort of use to make sure you are able to harvest something again during the year and this i apologize if it comes across nearly like arrogantly which i hope it doesn't but in terms of we're looking at a paddock and it's someone who goes in and they cut basically cut a stalk out of the ground and that's the product which goes to market but it's not as simple as that. There's actually a real skill in this. And, and you were saying earlier around um, you've had people come who are, who are normally apple pickers. But for you, at the end of the day, you're a business. You guys need to make money to keep the doors open and ultimately keep food going to the shelf. What have you found with, I suppose, the, the crossover of skill sets and or maybe the, the lack of crossover of skill sets? Uh, yeah, it's, it, asparagus picking is no way to describe it other than it's very hard work. Um, it's back-breaking work. You've basically got to, to bend over in a crouch sort of position at about knee height for the majority of a day and walk quite long distances. Um, to heart, As I said earlier, each spear has to be hand-cut and hand-picked hand into a pile and then gets picked up and placed onto a, in a crate on a tractor. So there's a huge amount of labour that goes into every stick of asparagus that ends up on the shelf. Um, so you get people that have been used to picking apples or pruning apples or thinning apples and they come into the asparagus and the kind of work is quite different. And at the moment, there's a shortage of labour around. So if there's a job that may suit someone else better than picking asparagus, they'll go and do that job preferentially over harvesting asparagus. And that's what we're starting to find in our industry because it is one of the harder jobs around um, that someone can go and earn the same money somewhere else that they might find it an easier job and that's what they're choosing to do. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Isn't it? And until you've actually seen it and you understand, well, and even at the most basic level, understand what goes into it, we see, yes, it it is very picturesque out here, like what Michael McCormack has said, that well, school leavers should come and do it, but you guys have tried with local labour and it just doesn't stack up, does it? No, you can't get the... Yeah, the the want to work is not there, and the the way it it hasn't been done very well or very successfully by anyone using locals, and it's definitely been tried every year with the seasonal worker program. You have to advertise locally for local based workers, um, but application numbers are always very low, and if there are some, they they don't really last with the type of work and the conditions that they're they're working in because it is physically demanding and it is hard work and you need to sort of have that the right attitude when you come to harvest most horticultural crops for that matter so i want to um 
we've seen the supermarket shelves cleared of things like toilet paper this year, which is all important. We've got things like rice and flour because of the drought in previous years has there has been I suppose shortages in those areas, but they are machine harvested. Like, what is the likelihood, I suppose, of yes, Australia produces a lot of food, but in particularly, I suppose, for these premium um, goods like your your various berries, for instance, in there being either shortages or price increases at the consumer end, if you were to look kind of at the upcoming summer? Yeah, I think especially in, you know, it's becoming more real now in the southern states of Australia where, you know, demand for pickers is starting to go up. And I know, you know, in the Sunraysia area of northern Victoria, once the sort of grape harvest goes into full swing in February, March and April, there are you know, significant concerns there already starting to appear um, in the media and the like around the labour shortage that may exist. The same goes for Tasmania for the large berry harvest that's about to sort of commence in the next month or so down there. Um, cherry industry, I know, has relied heavily on backpackers in the past, and I think backpackers backpacker numbers now in Australia are down by sort of 80% on what is normal for this time of year, um, given that the border's been closed and it's one-way traffic of people leaving the country only for backpackers. So, yeah, the the challenge is very real, um, and what that means for the consumer is that at certain times, I'm sure, over the next 12 months, there will be shortages of pickers that will then mean that there's a shortage of product and flow on price-wise to the consumer with higher prices of certain lines at certain times without a doubt and you know couple that with the weather experiences that we're going through and you know other challenges that exist with supply chain and borders being closed and that sort of thing we yeah we are in a challenging environment at the moment and so is everyone so I guess that there will be a little bit of instability at the price level I'm sure. It's nearly like a market update we're getting isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit different to what my normal podcasts are like. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. it's. Uh, I, I enjoy this sort of thing. And there are challenges and opportunities like anything. You know, when there's a challenge for one person, it definitely creates opportunities for others, that's for sure. Yeah, and so I think, like, um, yeah, f- for you in particular, like, what are some of those opportunities popping up? And I suppose, yeah, looking at kind of the blue sky of, of maybe just a couple of things, one or two things that you've actually learned this year that may have given you appreciation for other aspects of farming or yeah life if you want to get deep <laughs> life all right well i used to I used to probably jump on a plane like it was kind of going and catching a bus so that's probably one thing that i've realized that never take travel for granted and you know being able to sort of be in one place one day and then in another place another day but it's also been good the fact that you know if you can't go somewhere you can actually do a lot over the phone and a lot via zoom and a lot and i'm sure that a lot of people are experiencing the same thing. You don't always have to be there. And the, the feeling of that want to have to be there when you literally can't go there, that's something that I've had to overcome that I feel I'm making inroads from a personal level into not sort of feeling like you have to be there to be in control of the situation. Um, but also then, you know, just I guess the respect and admiration I have for pickers and things from Vanuatu, you know, they've been, as I said earlier, they've been away from their families now for nine to 12 months most of them and they're sort of living in shared accommodation and you know while farmers do their most utmost to look after them they're they're in challenging environments a lot of the time you know especially being away from their families for such a long period of time and I've you know only experienced that from a short period this year being away you know and doing a couple of other things 
in different states, it's just been it has been hard when you can't frequently travel back home and you know for such extended periods. So, you know, and then to just look and not take anything for granted, I guess, is sort of the the message of 2020 for me that you know don't take anything for granted because you never know what's around the corner. Yeah, it's it's really I suppose like um, leveling. I reckon when you think that these guys. And, and women, they come over to Australia and they normally come for a three or four month stint. They earn good money while they're here, which goes back to support their families. But like, yeah, the, the thing is, like, these people are missing their kids who are growing up. And yeah, particularly if they're little, they're, they're missing the first steps. They're missing all these life kind of significant moments. And it, it's crazy like that. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, some some will leave a you know a pregnant wife back home, and they have their their child without their husband being there. Um, and that that's a common example that you know I know numerous pickers that have been in that situation. So yeah, you, you kind of just feel for that that sort of situation, and you kind of look at like I guess it means that I feel like sometimes I'm living quite a privileged life when you're in you're so far distant or so far away from that situation in my own personal life that it's just it's hard to comprehend how they comprehend how they're going through that i guess yeah definitely no and they still front up with a smile and a wave it's it's good to see and i suppose yeah nearly taking a step back and it's a question i ask on well started kind of halfway through but on every podcast and i think it's it's more broadly around how we view agriculture and it's not purely just inside the farm gate but there's all these opportunities across the supply chain and people who are actually influencing it. So if you were to front up to say year 10 or 11 students and I suppose, yeah, give them some advice on maybe why to consider agriculture, what would be your messaging there? Yeah, I think agriculture is one of the best careers to be involved in. I mean, it's everyone needs food. Everyone eats food three times a day and you know, on the back of my ute, I've got a fa- I've got a sticker that says "Thank a farmer for your next meal," and it's it's I, I love it because it's just it's there, and I think I hope people see that on you know when you're driving home on the freeway over night time, people actually realise what farmers do to get food on everyone's plates. It's not produced in the supermarket, and I think that there's a huge disconnect between you know the city folk and the farming community and and the whole sub- farming supply chain as a whole and i think that there are opportunities you don't have to be the person that's sitting on a tractor or you know picking asparagus or whatever else it may be or the perception may be there are so many roles and various capacities involved in the whole agricultural supply chain and whether that be you know a fish farm you know in northern australia or a you know cherry farm or a cherry orchard in southern Tasmania like there's just every spectrum in Australia and that's one of the things that we're very lucky to have such a wide range of geographic and climatic conditions we can basically produce anything in Australia and the opportunities are so broad you know whether it be hard non-perishable items right through to highly perishable items I think that everything has its opportunities and challenges and it's a great career to be involved in because of it's so dynamic and ever-changing and we we feed a lot of asia a lot of the world food goes from australia to those destinations and when you actually start to think about where it ends up and how it's produced and you know all the different parts of australia that it comes from that i think that there are vast opportunities and i guess as well like with coronavirus and things at the moment i think people are probably starting to take a step back and actually look at this sort of thing and the way agriculture is viewed in society is probably starting to change a little bit that 
it has been proven to be an essential industry this year and it's been one of the pillars of strength throughout the whole coronavirus pandemic that we've been able to as an industry continue to push forward while we've had our challenges there's still been food on the table and like Ollie said there may have been a shortage of toilet paper and at times there was probably a shortage of some meat and some vegetables but for fundamentally everyone's still been fed so um, from an Australian perspective we're in a good position and I hope we can continue to grow that in the future. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for that, James. And I think one thing which people may not understand with all the various hats you wear in your day-to-day uh, job is you're a primary producer, you're a currency trader, you're in sales and marketing, logistics, you're in people management, you... I don't know what what other hats you wear, but you you wear a whole suite of things and it has to happen simultaneously in order to get food into those markets overseas. So it's incredibly impressive. And I know like, off the stint I had working within the asparagus industry in 2016, like just that some of those skills that I learned here have followed me the whole way through and it's something that I still reflect on and have been fortunate to be involved. So thanks for taking the time to chat. No worries, really enjoyed it. Well, that's it from us for another week. And so I hope that you walked away from today's episode learning something new and maybe going down to your local supermarket and supporting Australian asparagus. If you walk down there and see the brand Aspari, that'll most likely be from where James is down there at Kuirup. This week as well, for those in Melbourne, there was a little bit of a reprieve after many, many months in what has been lockdown. So for those of you who are listening to us from Melbourne, stick at it because the better weather's coming, we're coming to a good time of year and the restrictions can surely only ease from here. Looking forward to joining you guys again next week and as always, thanks for tuning in. You can reach out with any questions to us on our Instagram at humans of agriculture with an underscore. Look after yourselves, guys.